Hello, my name is Percy Everlyn. Recently, I've just been asking my friends about their childhood obsessions. I just want to know, like, what was the thing that they would not stop reading or watching or playing or listening to, whatever. And once they tell me, I have them talk to me about it. And then they go back and re-experience it. And I experience it too, maybe for the first time, maybe not. And then we talk about it again. But, you know, more in depth, like how it was different from what they remembered or maybe they got more meaning out of it. Maybe it ruined their original feelings about it. Today, I am talking to my friend Shrasht. He was born and raised in Calcutta in India, um, but we met in college. We both went to college in Philadelphia, and we met actually doing theater. Uh, I joined a South Asian theater group in college called Natuk, and now we both live in New York City. <laughs> Don't look. You're not supposed to look yet. I read this already many times in my life. There, there's some Hindi in it. Really? That's that's Hindi. Kya firvahi. Okay, well don't read it now. <laughs> I also have my copy. I kind of I wish that I wish I had like the hardbacks. I like the hardbacks more. I've never seen the hardbacks. I've only really? ever seen these ones. These are yeah, these, these are my childhood ones. Yeah, the ones. In in India like they never sold hardbacks in India or anything. Oh. Because but but books were very very cheap in India, right? Like books were like $3, $4 in India. That's nice. Yeah, but they'll all be back, and like really shitty paper. Um, so, oh. so I asked you about something that you were obsessed with as a kid, and you told me Tintin, the Adventures of Tintin. How do you pronounce this name, actually? I say Tintin. Is there you say like Tintin? how do you say it in French? Tintin. 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 Cool. And no, di- we say Tintin. I don't know. <laughs> but we can say Tonton if you'd like. No, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. Okay. Um, when you read Tintin as a kid, did you read it in English? Yeah, in English. Um, I didn't read a lot of Hindi when I was a kid. So English was like the only thing. And like, didn't read any French. Or like, what, what was the, what was it actually originally published in? It was published in French. Um, so the author... It's Belgian. I'm trying to say it. Her- Hergé. Hergé. He's Belgian, but he was from the French-speaking part of Belgium. Or, like, his mom was Flemish, and his dad was a Walloon. So he grew up speaking both. But I think the publication that these were printed in was a French-speaking publication. Um, So I think they were all originally, like, written and published in French. Very cool. Do you you hear a dog barking? Yeah, I think that's me. Okay. (laughs) Can you hear it? Yeah, I could hear it. I don't know if you're... No, I mean, it'll be fine. It's the natu- yeah. the naturalistic sounds of New Jersey. Cool, cool. Um, did you go to, like... Because I know you went to, like, a, f- a fancy, like, English-speaking high school or whatever. When did you start going to, like, a school where they were, like, were speaking English in school? Like, when you were, like, really little? Yeah. I uh, Like, my my family started speaking in English with me as a first language in some in some sense, where, like... They tried to make me learn English before I learned Hindi, um, but yeah, like I saw it, like the this the school that I went to, uh, I was at from like when I was three years old to when I was eighteen. Um, oh, it was the same school the whole time. The same school, same school. Oh yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, it, it, we don't have like the concept of like 
like uh, a middle school or a, or a like a high school it's all like the same thing and then you're just like in it some schools start later though so like but our our schools are like all the way in nursery so like pre-k yeah but but there's another school that we go to like which is before like like i forget what it's called yeah but it's before nursery like when i was two years old i went to the school oh like a daycare it was a school it was called a school it's not there's not an american equivalent i guess no so how did you start reading tintin um, I was very interested in uh, all detective stories. Oh, it's a detective I guess is, thing. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the common thread with like, like everyone was into detective. At least everyone I knew who was reading things when I was much younger. Uh, and I didn't really know a lot of people who were reading. Like my friends, yeah, my friends weren't big readers, but I would read a lot. But I would read Enid Blyton and like The Famous Five and like... I don't uh, know any of the. What are these? The Secret Seven. Well, Enid Blyton is this is this woman who like uh, she she's this British writer who wrote like prolifically, right? She wrote like so much um, and many series, not even just like one series. She like she wrote like the, the, like many detective series where these little children would solve uh, mysteries, and they all like a lot of them had like a dog also. Yeah. So the Secret Seven, one of the Secret Seven was a dog. So it's like an Agatha Um, Christie, but like, I don't know, like Babysitter's Club version? It's just children. Like, like for some reason, all these kids in in the UK at the time just had nothing. Like, or it was like a long summer vacation where they went together with their like cousin and their friends to like the English seaside and like their parents are chilling and not not giving a shit about them. (laughs) Uh, And they're they're solving mysteries. Did your parents give you these books like how were you getting them yeah yeah so like uh, i would uh enid blyton actually is uh at least in in the colonies is like very staple reading for children because it's it's very much like it's the very classic foundation of what a narrative should be right so when you think of like what what is a story like it's it's very like simplified like this is exactly what a story is like yeah, you, like you lose something, and then uh, you spend the entire narrative finding something, and then once you found it, you're you're changed. Your characters have changed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it wraps up. Growth. So yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's like it's like no- naughty. You don't naughty, right? No. <laughs> no, you don't know naughty. Naughty's also also like very famous in Blyton cartoon character. Oh my god! Wait, so are these novels, or they're they're like? graphic novels or cartoons so the famous five i forget it was something four the something five and the secret seven uh they were all novels like like novellas novels. like small okay. children novels and naughty is for younger children naughty is for like three-year-olds but like uh, that's more like a gra- graphic novel in some way like you know in a very like ancient way like you know what like a british like colonial like 20th century mid-20th century way oh yeah and also, Naughty, Naughty also is a dog. N O D D Y, and there was a cartoon. There was a cartoon on like something like about Naughty. Make way for Naughty, Naughty. <laughs> I feel like this is like the Bernstein Bears. I feel like you've dropped through a, a a different reality, like time warp, and you're like, you don't remember these books when you were kids. <laughs> it's it's very. I think uh, as I said it's very much like a colonial, like yeah. Uh, 
it's very British. And so like, yeah, I wonder if like Brits in Britain were also reading these kinds of things. I think so. I, I, uh, at least I want to think so. I mean, again, like as I said, Enid Blyton is like very, very, it's very good, right? It's because very simplified. So it's like, if you read it now, it's stupid, right? But it really like right. teaches children to learn to read and learn to understand what a story is. So what age were you getting those books and like, and Tintin as well? When, what age were those things introduced for you? So like, I remember that in the second grade, I started reading Harry Potter and all of this was before. So it was definitely like when I was in kindergarten or like just after, just before, around that time. So since I could read, I, I, I would read like Naughty and it, then Enid Blyton and then Tintin's. Um, do you remember like the first time you read Tintin at all? Or like which mm. one it was? I don't remember which one was the first one. I remember being very obsessed with certain ones, but probably like the first few were probably like uh, one of the Moon series. Because I was very interested in, like, I wanted to be, like, an astrophysicist. Oh. So not an astronaut. I didn't know because that. Because I was like, that's that's too much. Like, an astronaut. Like, an astronaut is too much because, yeah, like, going into space is, is, is stressful. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was an astrophysicist, I'd be at the base. And I'd be, like, uh, communicating with astronauts. Uh, so so the, 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 space, the space series, the, and there's two of them explorers on the moon and then like something about the moon moon some something yeah they're two tintins does tintin actually to go moon. to the moon yeah tintin goes to the moon did, tintin goes everywhere i did not read this um so you were really you read the moon ones over and over again and what other ones did you really like um i like tintin in tibet because there was some bit of nepal in the beginning um i don't know how common you think reading tintin was in calcutta but uh, reading Tintin in the U.S. was not very common. I just went to, you know, a French immersion school and my parents were tr- trying to, well, I should say my mom. I'll leave my dad out of it. <laughs> but my mom was really, really trying to get me to read stuff in French. So it's funny that like that was, I think, part of your like learning to read English. And Tintin was <laughs> my mom trying to get me to read things in French. I think Tintin was definitely like a more of a like, uh, for my parents, this was like it was it was more of the trash I would read, right? Because they would prefer at the time that I would read like novels. Oh, the, so they weren't happy with you reading comics. Uh, well, th- I think th- th- there's this there's this like there's a school of thought in India. I think that like my English teachers and my 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 parents subscribed to, where there was like or at least my my mother also. But that like co- comics are comics are like uh, smart, <laughs> right? Like they're like. For, for for the commoners, right? It's like it's it's not like like if you really want to learn English. I think smut. No, smut yeah, like is smut, like, like smut. Like smut is like manga when there's like a little bit of boob in it. <laughs> I would love to think that Tintin is smutty. Yeah, but like comics are smutty, right? In that in that like they they don't really care as much about the language as they do about like the visualization, and and for a child like. I guess this this is probably like a common thing across the world that that right. when we were growing up they would right. rather we not watch television or be on a computer and read instead and I think that comes from this idea of like mm. well if you read like you have a better imagination because you're imagining actually the, the the words that are happening and with a comic you're not because the comic has the pictures there. I think for comics something that's sort of been lost because it doesn't happen as much is that because comics used to be, like, serialized, like, Tintin obviously originally was 
printed in a newspaper like every week or I don't know, however quickly they came out. And so, like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of the medium of comics actually has to do with, like, keeping your readers' interest when something is coming out in small chunks. And, like, comic, like, manga is still like that, and, like, a lot of, like, American comics, I mean, Marvel is still like that. So it's, it's funny, yeah, I just feel like the sort of trashiness comes from a little bit having to, like, lean on the, like, drama and the cliffhanger and the, like, come back next week to see what happens. But I think it's a great, like, my little brother was not a good reader when he was a kid. And, like, we essentially had to get him to read by letting him read comics. Or not even letting him. We were like, read comics. Please read anything. Um, we would love for you to read this. Right, but that's a, low, that's a low thing, right? It's like the, if someone is a reader, you'd be like, don't just read comics. Read, yeah. like, Dostoevsky. <laughs> I was definitely slow in letting go of picture books. I, like, loved to read. I was like, chapter books? Only if you're boring. Like, what's the fucking point? I don't think I read anything, any other comics about Tintin, though. Tintin was something I, yeah, I really liked. And then I didn't read, I didn't read Asterix and Obelix. Ob- Obelix. Obelix. Yeah. Obelix. Asterix and Obelix was another French comic that I read. And both Tintin and Asterix and Obelix also had, like, TV or movie adaptations. I think Tintin has made, I think Tintin overall has been more popular and successful, like, internationally than Asterix and Obelix. Um, Asterix and Obelix was very weird. It's, like, Gauls, like, French people um, during the Roman Empire. So it's, like, these two guys running around, like, fighting Caesar and stuff. It's very strange. Yeah. It almost has, like, a Smurfs feel. I can't really explain much past that, but that's kind of (laughs) the feeling I have about um, Asterix and Obelix. Yeah, and then there was this, this this Indian comic as well that, like, people would read. I forget what it's called, but like, yeah, like I, I I didn't read any of that. I just really read Tintin, and then eventually started just not uh, re- uh, reading chapter books, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but but then like back to this idea of like well like Tintin is also like this this he solves mysteries right like yeah on his adventures, and then th- there was this like. Uh, th- there was this very popular mystery-solving series in India, um, which was like Satyajit Ray, the a very popular Bengali director. He made films like in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and then died. But he worked with he worked with Renoir. Like he like he was an AD for like French films, and then he like came back to India and started making like Bengali films. So in, in Bengal, like, so in, in the state that I grew up in, there was, like, a lot of, uh, they, they would read more and they would, wa- like, people would read more and people would be interested more in film. But specifically, like, this this kind of, like, a, there was a series called The Adventures of Feluda. And Feluda is this, this character, again, like, younger, like, maybe 27-year-old with his little cousin, I think, who's, like, younger, uh, and they solve mysteries also and then there were films about Feluda but then there were stories and there were films maybe there's a tv show but yeah like I think uh mystery was a is a was a very defining genre that I remember at least I, I read I, I read Agatha Christie also a lot yeah but again that was a little later yeah I do feel like that is a... with all its anti-semitism <laughs> I didn't know that I've never read any Agatha Christie she she like slides in some amount. Of, she she like, sneaks it in. A little a little joke against like about a Jewish character or something, and then. <laughs> it's funny because I do feel like, 
detect like kid detectives like Nancy Drew and Encyclopedia Brown are like pretty big everywhere in children's literature. I think I, I don't know, even Scooby Doo. It's just kind of Nancy like a. Drew. Oh yeah, yeah. I watched a lot of Scooby. I love Scooby Doo. Oh really? Uh, yeah. But it is funny that you said like Tintin and comics in general are thought of like a lower, you know, a lower prose style because I actually, I mean, also I was like, you know, in second or third grade, similarly, um, trying to read Tintin in French. And I honestly, a lot of the times had no idea what was going on. A lot of like my understanding of the plot was like through the pictures and like trying to, you know, just like trying to get context clues. I was like very much struggling through (laughs) reading Tintin for a lot of it until I like actually got an English copy and I was like, oh, is this what's happening? It was very much... I. I mean, let me know what you think, like, the sort of trope of, like, a Tintin comic is. But it is sort of like Tintin visits the natives, like, and then has an adventure in a foreign land. I feel like yeah, it's yeah. almost like every every story, every book. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it was very strong on its, like, exoticization from, like, a European land. So, well, I, I don't know, like, as a kid, I was more excited to, like be in these places rather than like I wasn't at all aware of race but but we'll get well I guess we'll get to that but but, but I think that uh, yeah like everything was uh, Tintin Tintin is a little consultant right he's a little management consultant he can <laughs> go into your country uh, and like solve your problems for you right like you'll find like things that, that are wrong and then solve it and then everyone is better off as a result of Tintin's arriving but also Tintin wasn't like a Tintin wasn't an asshole like a management consultant is, right? Like, and also like a very like portrayed to be a very genuine and like interesting and like care caring yeah. uh, young man. But still, like, uh, uh, like it's the the typical like white savior narrative of like he would go into these communities and then like find these issues that they didn't they even maybe they, they didn't know existed or they were like struggling with, uh, and then and then they're, yeah they're just better off yeah as a result of it. So we're going to read Tintin in Tibet and then uh, talk about it later. But before you and I reread it, because I think I read it too as a kid, what do you sort of like remember of that plot line? Like, do you remember it pretty well, you feel like? Yeah, to some extent. When was the last time you read it? Uh, I already remember, like many, many, many years ago. Oh, so it's been a, it's been a while. I remember. I remember him like, I forget where he was, but I remember him waking up. And like having a nightmare that like there was a plane crash and his friend, this this brown brown Nepali boy, is like in danger. I forget like uh, this this friend of his, this friend from maybe an older adventure. Uh, but but I, I forget which one. But yeah, he has this, he has this friend who is returned to Kathmandu, and he Tintin just has his dream that. His flight crashed, and he is in grave danger. And and he wakes up like with this like moment of like, uh, where he yells his name as soon as he wakes up. Like, and uh, he finds out that like he like he's I think he dismisses it until he then finds out that like he's reading the newspaper. He's with Captain Haddock or something like that. He's like eating a croissant, drinking his coffee, whatever. This is breakfast time, and, and then he sees that there truly was a plane crash in Kathmandu, uh, and he's convinced that his friend. 
And 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 this is this is the amount of whitewashing that happens. Right, that I don't even remember his friend's name, the brown kid that he's going to save. Like, <laughs> I know Tintin's name, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the friend's name. Well, Tintin's name is on the cover. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so then he uh, he goes to Kathmandu and he goes he he's determined to go into the Himalayas and find the ruins of this aircraft, which like why weren't the authorities doing? Or maybe the authorities did but couldn't find anyone, and so now he is going to go and actually search. And and when he when Tintin searches, Tintin finds, and then and then when while he does that search, he finds. Somehow they they trek from Kathmandu into Tibet. They then mm-hmm. start searching for Bigfoot. They start searching for the Yeti. <laughs> That's a great twist. And, and, and well, I think I think it's not it's not that sudden. Like I think like maybe Bigfoot is responsible for the flight crashing or something like. You you see like you see the Yeti footprint at some point earlier on. Oh really? So they oh, really weave it classic. in. So I think Tintin like really helps with. Or, or, well, not to ruin it for everyone, but I think that they don't find they don't they they don't find they don't find they, they the don't yeti? find the the, the friend uh, in Lhasa. They find the friend with the yeti or something like that. <laughs> okay, well, we gotta read it and see where the yeti and where the friend yeah. is, and who who ends up with who. Yeah, which I guess is like the a metaphor for like the the communist revolution like the cultural revolution in china i, I, I don't even know like like what is that right like <laughs> when was tintin written yeah like um i actually wrote it down um tintin in tibet was serialized between 1958 and 1959 and published in 1960 so like right right during the cultural revolution you think it's a cultural rev- revolution Analogy? I, I haven't I haven't read the book in a really long time, so I don't know. Okay, well, I guess we'll see. So I had another question. When I asked you about rereading Tintin, I was like, oh, do you need me to get you the book? And you were like, no, I have all my old Tintin books, which I was surprised by. I don't know. Maybe I never saw them in your dorm room. But um, when you were moving out to, like, come go to college in the United States, what was it about your Tintin books that you were like, this is something I want to pack and have with me? Well, I didn't get it the first time I moved here because I had lots of other things to bring. Oh. Uh, but at some point, I think maybe my sophomore year, when I was returning, I had just lots of space in my bag and I was like, great, like I have a bookshelf in college and I, I don't have my books and everyone else, like, I guess everyone else who's like a, like, who's lived here, like can just bring their books from home if they want or just not. Uh, but I wanted, I wanted some of my old books uh, that I had read some and actually some that maybe I hadn't read. Uh, but but uh, yeah, like I was picking which books to bring, and and I I just like grabbed a whole pile of the Tintin books, um, which I think again like th- they were important to me when I was a kid, and I thought oh like it would be really cool to reread them, uh, and then also thinking about like, uh, yeah like the, the 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 big weird thing I guess with Tintin is that when I was growing up and reading them, like I thought I was Tintin, or like in a in a, in this way where like like I, I could see I could see myself being Tintin, uh, and now I now I now if I, like, there, yeah, there's there's so much about like Tintin Tintin's race and what we've spoken about where he gets access to so much because of his race and, but but I I had this I have this weird calic in the top of my head like just mm-hmm. where like Tintin's like front spikes are, so when you cut my mm-hmm. hair short enough like the front will stand like Tintin's hair. That's hilarious. But not in a way that like I feel like he styles it that way. I guess. You think he he gels his hair? 
Maybe not. Maybe he also has a cowlick. I like that you... I think he's famous for having that cowlick, but I like that yeah. you think he styles his hair like that. No, so so that's the thing. He either styles his hair like that or he doesn't, and that's that's how his hair looks. And that's how my hair looked when I was growing up. Yeah. And I wanted to have a dog, but I never did. Did you reread them while you had the books in college? No. Maybe I, I, maybe I started to try, but I actually haven't read any of them since I brought them years ago. I just have oh. them. You've just been carrying them around with you. Yeah, and I've actually like, carried them from Philly to New York, back to Philly, back to New York. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're putting them to use. Cool. Are you worried? Like, because I think it's very natural. And I think it's actually a mark sort of a, of good children's literature that when a kid reads a book that they put themselves in the protagonist's place. Um, and that's like usually, I don't know, like very good for them. Are you worried like that you're going to come back to this book and just be like, it's shitty, it's racist. I can't believe I read this as a kid. I, I think I, I think I already like think that it's, I already have conflicting feelings about it. Uh, yeah. Just w- even without having read it, just knowing how, like just knowing the, the, the setup of everything, right? Like, and, and how yeah. like uh, w- the the premise of each book is, the structure of each book is, uh, the, this white savior narrative, essentially. I don't think I wish I didn't have, I didn't read it when I was a kid because it's still like for a child. Like I feel like I more than more than wishing that I hadn't read. I would wish that I was more aware of race when I was a kid, right? And more aware of uh, like these perspectives and like what this could be. But but it, it really is like there's so much about uh, Lhasa, about like the Aztecs and like China and like things like the the pharaohs that I would. And, and like the moon, like NASA, that I that I right. wouldn't have known if I hadn't read all of this. Yeah, I mean, I did read, I did a little reading, and I did read that he did do like a great deal of research, at the very least to like you know, because they're all drawn, so you have to have like references for how things look, sort of. And Tintin is famously, you know, racist. I mean, he started writing them in like 1929, and Belgium has just an abhorrent abhorrent history in terms of like racism and colonization i am interested to read it to sort of see like kind of sign of the times like they they do feel a little bit like historical artifacts to understand like what a belgian man's view of the world was you know during the first half of the 20th century so yeah i'm excited yeah so am i all right well, good reading. I'll talk to you later. Cool. Um, stay safe. Thanks. And in the news tonight, a passenger flight en route to Kathmandu has crashed in the Himalayan mountains. A search plane spotted the wreckage of the aircraft yesterday in a remote and dangerous area of the Gosandan Massive. The DC-3 was reported missing Monday. Nobody's going to survive that. Poor souls. <laughs> Should I shut my windows? Oh, no, I mean... If anything, at least we'll have some consistency <laughs> from last time. So how was it? How was your experience? I think I really enjoyed it. Like, like I, even though I was, like, really skeptical about, like, uh, all the appropriation and all the... And, like, there the, the was some things that were kind of weird, but mostly it was... It was, it was fun to read. It's It's such a simple plot yeah there's a lot of like honestly it's kind of more of a kid's book than i thought it would be there is a lot of like 
Captain Haddock just like banging his head on something or like banging his toe on something or like tripping and falling or like it's literally just like a slapstick routine from him every other panel. I totally forgot how, uh, yeah, how much of a klutz he is. Like he just completely is like, uh, yeah, like banging into things, like doing stupid things. Even when he like tries to what, like sacrifice his life for Tintin at one point, uh, yeah. he like drops the, he drops the knife. He's like, him and Tintin are tied with this rope and they're climbing the mountain and Tintin is above and he loses footing. So now Tintin is holding this rope and they're both freezing and he's hanging and dangling. And Captain Haddock is like, no, like, I'm going to sacrifice my life to save you so you can keep moving on. And he takes out his knife and then is going to cut the rope so he falls. And Tintin's like, no, don't do that. Don't be be stupid. But he just drops his knife. So he's just that much of a... His being clumsy is more of a plot point than him being drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Shockingly. The background I read to this was also... Um, Hergé, the author, was saying that this book was sort of like an ode to, like, Tintin and Captain Haddock's friendship. Because another trope that keeps on happening throughout the whole adventure is that Tintin is like, I'm going to go do this dangerous thing. I have to find my friend. And Captain Haddock is like, well, you're on your own, kid. Good fucking luck. And then, like, so, like, Tintin, like, goes, starts his adventure. And then, like, whatever, two panels later, Captain Haddock shows up and he's like, I couldn't let you do it alone. <laughs> Uh, except, I'm here for you. Yeah, and, and, and like that, that just re- repeats so many times, except this one time where Tintin actually actively manipulates Captain Haddock into coming with him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I always kind of loved Captain Haddock. He's a fun character, but honestly, like, he seems like he's just made to be a foil to Tintin. Like, like you said, Tintin is always like the shining example of like a young man. He's well-behaved. Everyone like loves him and gets along with him. And Captain Haddock just, like, kind of bumbles his way. He bumbles his way, like, physically, but also, like, bumbles his way through, like, cultural customs. He, like, insults people, like, insults everyone yeah. that he meets. He's sort of, like, the example. In some ways, he's sort of the example of, like, how tourists shouldn't be acting in other people's countries. It's how the French view the British. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, he's, he's a British man, right? Isn't he, like, English? Is he British? He's English. I don't, I don't he, he's drinking that. a Scottish whiskey his like you think it's a comment on french people or uh, like, belgians i guess not liking the brits that's probably, really funny probably not fully but like part of it is definitely like he's haddock right he's like a I, I try to look up the origins of where haddock comes from and apparently herge named him haddock because uh he was trying to think of a name for this captain and yeah. uh his wife had cooked this poor english haddock <laughs> like um, a fish and he was like, oh, that's a great name for the... And there's apparently, like, a Haddock who uh, was a captain who was the captain of uh, the Titanic before the, Titan- before the Titanic crashed into the iceberg. Oh, really? Captain yeah. Archibald Haddock. He is one of Tintin's best friends, a seafaring, pipe-smoking, merchant marine captain. Depicted so, uh, as a weak and alcoholic character. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think the, the, like, the other thing, like, you were talking about him being the foil to Tintin. I totally see that. Uh, but I, I don't know if I remember him that way. I'm curious if he is that way in the other books as well. In other ones? Because for me, like, I think Snowy was always, like, the foil of Tintin. Like, like always following Tintin, right? Like, always. This is really funny. I'm looking at the Wikipedia for Captain Haddock right now, and I just found the line, um, the captain took over the role of the cynic, relieving Snowy and establishing Captain Haddock as a permanent addition to the cast. 
Um, cool, cool. So yeah, I think you're right. Snowy used to be the one who was like, this kid going on these dastardly adventurous missions, like no reason for it. Yeah. Um, but I guess it makes more sense to have a character who can like actually yeah. talk to humans. Right. Being like, this is dumb, Tintin. We shouldn't do this. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, he's very, very expressive. Like, Tintin is, like, surprisingly, like, just so bland through the entire thing, right? Like, his, yes. he's just always, like, almost in the same expression. Like, one time he gets a little angry with Snowy, and one time he's, like, like a little, like, stressed. But yeah. in terms of, like, facial expressions on the panels themselves, Captain Haddock is very much, like... Uh, ornate in this way right even when he's like falling you know he's dizzy when he's confused there's all these stars all these like this this colorful like these lines and things that like uh tr- are trying to express like his emotionality in a way that for Tintin it's like he's the real stoic young man like he is right. the model example whereas Haddock is like clearly the side character who's like like the, the emotional man but I agree like Tintin is kind of pure-hearted to a fault like it's a little like, oh, is Tintin gonna do the right thing again? Like, yawn. Yeah, and like, it was a little, it was a little exhausting to read. Like that, that push and pull of, should we give up? Now is the time to give up. <laughs> That's and Tintin's just like, no, I want to keep going on. But he's still like very conscious of like the people around him. But not, not really, right? Like, like to an extent, he's like, yeah, okay, if y'all don't want to do this anymore, let's just go back. I guess y'all are right. right. But then he always has, he always gets his way. He always like, is able to somehow either manipulatively or through their friendship or however possible, get them to keep going. Yeah. And even get Takre to keep going, the, the, the Sherpa. Yeah. So let's uh, let's do a little plot. So the book starts off, they're like in, they're like, seem like they're on vacation. They're like in the Alps or something. They're in like a mountain town in Europe. And so it's like kind of sets up the mountain theme. And also that like Captain Haddock doesn't want to be in the mountains and he doesn't like climbing and all that stuff. And then they're, like, back at their, like, chalet or whatever, their Airbnb. <laughs> or I guess it's just a B&B. There's other people there. And uh, they're playing chess, and Captain Haddock is taking a really long time to make his move, and that's what makes Tintin fall asleep. So when he wakes up to, like, be like, my friend is in danger, it's just because he's, like, sleeping at the table. They, they use the, 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 the Chang as a, as, as a sneeze so many times. Yes. Oh, my or God. So a, his friend's as a name yawn, is... Ch- as a- his friend's name is Chang, which is, like, woof. And then they, like, make fun of his name, I guess? I don't know if you would call it they make fun of his name, but they're, it, like, they think it's... I guess, yeah, they're making fun of it as, like, essentially, like, an onomatopoeia more than a name. Yeah. Like, because they keep on... Because, like, Tintin is really stressed, a bit, I guess, about this feeling that his friend is in danger. So he, like, hears Chang everywhere. So he, like, hears someone sneeze, and it sounds like Chang. And he, like, hears a door close, and it sounds like Chang. Like, all that sort of stuff. Um... And then, like you said, y- your memory of the plot was pretty good. Captain Haddock or someone sees in the newspaper that there's been an airplane that went down. And Tintin is worried that his friend was on the airplane. But his friend is not Tibetan or Nepalese. His friend is um, Chinese. His friend is Chinese, I guess, from a previous story. The Blue Lotus, yeah. you think? Yeah. So, yeah, I think they met at the Blue Lotus. Uh, I think he, he was flying out from Hong Kong, is what they said. Also, his name is... His name is Chang Chong Chen. Yeah, his full name is Chang Chong Chen. Just, it's just that pretty bad. <laughs> it reminded me of, like, fucking Harry Potter when she names the one Chinese character Cho Chang. I'm like, why are Europeans like this? 
<laughs> Imagination zero. Like, well, well, if you if you think about like when we were talking about how well researched like a lot of this stuff is, uh, yeah, and I think I think it still is pretty well researched, right? In in that like, it, there are some accuracies. So, so like a, a Chinese name being like well, you're like a a family name and then a hyphenated given name. Yeah, kind of, yeah. So like three still, names. Right. So. There are some accuracies, but it's like it clearly is like, how can we make it the most obvious this person is Chinese, uh, yeah. to a point where like in the Alps when they're wherever they are in the mountains in Europe, there's a Chang joke about how someone's dog is named Chang. Yes, it's a Pekingese. There's a lady yeah. at the <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the at the hotel or the B and B or whatever who has a Pekingese, and she's like calling it. And she's uh-huh. like, Chang. And, and they're like, that's weird. And then they say, like, oh, it's a Pekingese. So that makes, like, oh, it's an East Asian do- dog. Yeah. So it makes sense that she named him Chang. <laughs> so, it's very strange. And Captain Haddock says, blistering barnacles. What a daft idea giving a, giving a name like that to a dog. <laughs> and just like, not really. It's a Pekingese. It's quite reasonable. <laughs> yeah, of course. I would name my Pekingese Chang. It's funny that they, like, also posit that Tintin has, like, a premonition about his friend being in danger. And that's, like... I mean, Captain Haddock doesn't really believe him. He's like, listen, you're just like having it. It's just a dream. Just because you had a dream doesn't mean that your friend is actually in danger. But Tintin is like convinced. And I also like that. I I don't know. I just like that it gives this extra dimension to Tintin that he's like a soothsayer, that he's got uh, the boy has a little mysticism in him. Yeah. And like uh, it that comes back at the end where the the actual monk. Uh, right. Oh, my God. What is his name? Prophesizes these things. Lightning. Um. Oh, my God. I wrote it down somewhere. He like floats every time. Oh, blessed lightning. Blessed light. Blessed lightning. Blessed lightning. Blessed, blessed. Also, what the fuck are the names? Oh, it was bad. But we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, like uh, the monk called blessed lightning. I think uh, twice in the plot uh, ascends into the air, like starts hovering, and is like clearly like possessed by this spirit, and then like ha- has this vision, and and then says something, and then. People around him will hear it, and then he comes down, and he just doesn't remember what he said. Yeah. Uh, so he, he predicts that, like, well, that that these three humans, actually, two humans and a boy with a golden heart, or something like that. Yes, uh, the monks <laughs> fucking love Tintin. The monks are oh, like, yeah. "You're the best white man I've ever met." Remember, I, I told you this, right? Like, Tintin like always wins. Like, like he like comes and then fixes something with. Well, actually, like in this case, he didn't really fix anything with the monastery, but like. Uh, uh, well, he, he like saves his friend who no one else is yeah. looking for, but he doesn't fix anything like structurally. Yeah, and but but but, but like he still like makes people maybe scared of the yeti less, right? Like people are more like, well, the yeti is just yeah. The yeti full on falls in love with Chang. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so like uh, Tintin really really wins. So he he wins like the, like the, what the silk scarf from the from the great yeah. abbot. What is a great abbot? I, he's just a llama. I guess I don't know. He's just like the head of the I, monastery. But but yeah, so he gets a silk scarf. He's like, oh, that's so respected. Wow, you're such a heart of gold. Uh, he finds Chang. Uh, he, he gets a photo of the yeti. <laughs> Wait, does he get a photo of the yeti? I thought yeah, he that's doesn't. How, uh, that's that's how the flash. That's how the yeti ran away, right? With I the know, flash. but does he actually get a photo, or is it just the flash? He scares the yeti. I don't even remember where they got that camera. All of a sudden, like, them trying to get a picture of the Yeti is part of the plot. And I was like, where did the camera come from? Anyway, so they... So Tintin is, like, really, really sure that his friend... His friend's 
plane crashed and that they have to go save him. And I think the same thing happens where Haddock is like, no, I won't go. And then, like, he goes anyway. And so first they fly into New Delhi and they do, like, a quick, like, montage. Like, let's see the sights of New Delhi. (laughs) Which was, like, kind of nice. I don't know. I mean, it was, like, really beautiful. Okay, so so for context, right, like, uh, each panel in Tintin, there are, like, there are four rows and roughly like three panels on each row. Oh, each each page has four. Each four page, rows. so each page has four rows, and then yeah. on each row there are three panels. Uh, the Delhi sightse- sightseeing bit is like one panel, so one twelfth of the page split into two, and one is the Kutub Minar, and the other is the Red Fort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the sightseeing they, they do, and then they get back into like. Oh, these local people, like, waiting for this cow to move. And Captain yeah, they do like, a whole, oh. of course, they do a whole cow thing. And the cow is a bull, and the bull, like, starts running, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I like that too. I like the, the little Kutub Minar. Like, they're giving you little factoids, right? There's the Kutub Minar. It's 238 feet high, Tintin says, because he knows. Uh, oh, also, I was trying to remember this. Tintin is a journalist, right? Like, that's his job. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot until I was reading this. I was like, isn't he a journalist? Yeah, you're, you're right. Though he's um, not doing, like, really any... He's not doing any journalism. He's not on the scoop here, but I think another story is that's part of it, is that he's a journalist. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing I noticed is that um, all, like, everywhere they go, which is, like, India, and then they're in Nepal, and then they're in Tibet... Um, everyone calls them Sahib. Is that like sir or is that like white guy? Is that a thing? Uh, yeah, Sahib. Sahib is just uh, yeah, like reverential to any to anyone to like a male. It's usually like a class thing, right? Like it's like like I like it's not reverential in that I won't call my father Sahib. Okay. But like like a stranger. Like people from a lower class will call my father Sahib probably. Oh, right? okay. Like Sahab. So, like, it, there are different variations of the word. But people actually uh, do say that, like, still? Yeah, it's not, it's not particularly for white people. Anyway, so their thing in New Delhi is essentially just, like, a long layover. Yeah, well, like, a three-hour yeah, three layover, and then, like, they, they don't talk about how they get to Patna. Yeah, they do kind of gloss over that, and then they're just, like, in Kathmandu. And then it says, the next morning, they land in Kathmandu. Anyway, the entire time they're trying to travel anywhere, Captain Haddock is, like, riding a bull by accident. His hat flies off, and then he, like, gets hit in the face by, like, a guy who's, like, holding a big stick across his back to, like, carry two different bags. And this guy is just getting beat up. This guy just, like, walks through the streets and is, like, saying the wrong things and, like, looking the wrong way and is, like, getting his whole face fucked up. And being yelled at and eating, like, uh, he he thought that a pepper... Like a chili pepper is a fruit. Oh and yeah, he's like, he ate Ooh, a- smells good and eats a chili pepper. <laughs> this guy like doesn't know how to travel. Like I just don't think he has any. But he's a sailor. <laughs> You're time. right. But maybe he doesn't know how to travel on land. <laughs> he's like port to port only. He doesn't like the mountains. But like, in the entire Tintin series, how often is he actually sailing? I don't know. When is he on a ship? I have no fucking clue. Is this, so he knocks into this other guy who has, like, a big, big bag on his back, and then it, it, the guy yells at him. But is that... In Hindi. That's Hindi? 
Well, like technically it should be in Nepali, but this what they've written is in Hindi. Oh, okay. That's why I was like some people in Nepal speak in 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 Hindi, but like they would probably speak in in the Gorkha tongue. Do you know what it says? It says kya ji dekhte nahi samne kya hai. That's like what's up? Can't you see there's something in front of you? Oh, okay. Uh and then one more time he yells at him. Kya fir wahi? What you again? That's exciting. I wonder like how you get that kind of stuff done if you're like living in Belgium. Like I don't know. I guess you have to find a guy who can like read and write in Hindi and be like I need Hindi in my comic book or in my comic strip. I guess um, it wouldn't be that hard to find someone in like yeah, Brussels, I mean, if you're in, like Brussels or something. <laughs> yeah, I I also I'm also sure that like well a lot of his drawings are very intricate, right? Like with with showing all of this detail of the monastery, all this detail of the temple in in Kathmandu. I think his backgrounds uh, are actually really like nice and yeah I, think, yeah, I think they're pretty beautiful. I agree, and and so like w- this is what you were saying last week as well, right? That there's clearly a lot of research that goes into. Yeah, it seems like I mean, he must have gotten pictures of like a, what a temple would look like in Nepal. Do you think? Do you think he traveled? I have no idea. I don't know how well traveled Hergé was. It's like, I don't know, they're very beautiful. There's like moss on top yeah. and it's like ornate. And it's definitely like, I mean, cause, I mean, I haven't been to Nepal, but it's it's like, to my eye, like it doesn't look like a temple in China or it doesn't look like a temple in Japan. You know, he didn't pick just like an Asian temple. Yeah. And and yeah, like he was very accurate with like how the Red Fort looks, how the Kutumar, which is easier because they're more... Yeah, they're like, famous. But... Yeah, but th- th- this stuff is very, like, yeah, like, it's it's very Buddhist. It's very, like, Buddhist temple. Um, so it turns out Chang is, like, he was going to visit his uncle, I guess, in Kathmandu, whose name is Chang Li Kin. Yeah, and, and with an his e. actual son's name is Chang Lin Yi. Yeah. So when, this isn't another joke with, the t- with Chang, yeah, is when uh, Tintin and Captain Haddock go and say, hey, like, we were here, we were here. We're friends of Chang, and the uncle is like, "Oh, Chang, he'll be so happy to see you, Chang." And here's here's my son, Chang Lin Yi. And he's like, "No, we're looking for Chang Chang Chen." And he's like, "Oh, my adoptive nephew, he's dead." <laughs> and then he starts crying. He's like, "Sorry, you came all this way. That guy is not here." Um, it's I mean, it's sad, um, but it's it's still crazy that he's like, "No, he died in a plane crash." And Tintin is still like, okay, yeah, I understand that there's been a plane crash. I hear, I hear you on the plane crash. But what if he's alive? Can you get me a Sherpa? I want to go look for him. So there's a lot of back and forth of like the Sherpas don't want to do it. They're like, it's a suicide mission. Everyone is dead from that plane crash. And Haddock doesn't want to do it. And Tintin is like, fine, I'll go myself. And then eventually every- Haddock goes back and convinces the Sherpa. And then they all head up into the mountains. With like so the the Sherpa and like two porters or two guys who are like carrying helping carry the yeah, packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two or three porters. So yeah, like it's three. So like clearly it, it like like what you were saying earlier that he's almost like a golden heart, like innocent in this way to a fault, right? Where like if he went alone, he would for certain have died. Die. Yeah, and it didn't seem like a bluff. He wasn't like, "Fine, I'll go alone." Yeah. To like try yeah, to yeah. get everyone to like feel right, bad right, and right. go with him. He really seemed like yeah. he was going to go up there. It was in the papers last year that Mount Everest has too many people. It's overcrowded. Like hiking it? So, yeah, yeah, so many people are just 
trying to hike Mount Everest that is like overcrowded. And and the thing is that these like white people who try to climb Mount Everest, like they pay some money and Nepal earns a lot of money. So they're like, like as long as they're, they're paying us, let, let them go. Uh, but lots of like experienced mountaineers are talking about how it's actually so risky to climb the Mount Everest with so many people because a lot of them are inexperienced and a lot of them like, it's, it's tough because th- there isn't a lot of space on these paths to negotiate. So if someone is going up, someone is going down, it just takes a long time. People are leaving the trash there, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But all of them, they go with, they go with these porters. So they don't carry their own loads. They carry their backpack with probably like the shit that they need to, like the, their like sleeping bag and their clothes and shit. But the, the, the porters are carrying the tents and the food and the, the, the fuel for cooking and the burners and all of right. that. I was actually surprised. I I mean, I don't know anything really about climbing in the Himalayas, but I sort of assumed that there was some sort of pack animal that you could have um, to help you. But it is really just these like three guys carrying a bunch of shit on their backs. I don't know if animals can climb that high, right? Or like, or you can make an animal with a human at least. Like you and say, hey, like let's, let's <laughs> you can go pay up. them. And they're like, they understand why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then it'll be like, there's really nothing you could give me to make me do this. Except Snowy. (laughs) Snowy follows them throughout. (laughs) Yeah, the thing about Snowy also that I didn't remember is that Snowy has, like, an interior monologue. Like, Snowy is talking. No one can hear him, but Snowy is for sure talking. He has word bubbles. And yeah, he he used to talk much more in previous Tintins, I think, in other Tintins. Yeah. Uh, But but, but as you read out from the Wikipedia article, Captain Mm -hmm. Haddock is now the new foil. Right. Um, so when they like start finally on their journey, like into the mountains to like go try to find Tintin's friend, I feel like it starts like a pretty long back and forth of like trying to get up them. Like, I feel like they don't even find the plane crash for a bit. There's just like yeah. a lot of like comedy around Captain Haddock's alcoholism. It's weird. It's like they treat whiskey like it's like Red Bull. Like he won't he won't hike unless he's drunk, which seems like an awful like it doesn't. If I were drunk, I would not want to be hiking. But seemingly he will only hike if he's drunk. So he's just like packed a bunch of bottles of whiskey. Is it whiskey? Yeah. He's packed a bunch of bottles of whiskey to fuck. He chugs them like he's like popping corks and just like fucking chugging them and and like rushing up the mountain. Um, and then he hallucinates, like he's on acid or something. Yeah, the, the whole, I'm like, I feel like RJ maybe, like, never drank alcohol. <laughs> His understanding I, of, like, what alcohol will do to a person is very bizarre. No, I, I, I think that this this goes in with, like, this goes together with what he was saying earlier, is that how much of a kid's sto- kid story it is, right? It's very much so, like, it, he's not writing it for adults, so he's purposefully exaggerating what alcohol does to you. Yeah. I guess that's a good point. Because he knows he can. Yeah, and, and he wants to bring in some comedy, and he wants to bring uh, uh, Calculus back, Professor Calculus back. Oh, yeah, Professor Calculus is there. Professor Calculus is another character in Tintin who is just, like, he's just kind of like a kooky professor type. Who doesn't heal well, and it's like, yeah, this very weird guy, but... I mean, like, almost essentially every other character in Tintin, like, every other recurring side character in Tintin is a buffoon. Like, yeah. Tintin... Like, like Thompson and Thompson. Thompson and Thompson, Professor Calculus, um, the, the opera singer, Haddock, they're all just like clowns. And the opera uh, singer makes makes a appearance in this too. Yeah, she the opera singer in voice. Too? Um I, I I forgot that Captain Haddock hates her so much. Yeah, he yells at the Sherpas. 
because they're like listening to her sing in their yeah. in their tent late at night. And I'm just like, can this man like have a single day where he doesn't insult anybody? I'm like, okay, I get it that he doesn't like Bianca Castafiore or whatever, but like, please don't yell at the men carrying your shit up the mountain. I also found it interesting that they're listening to like what, like pres- presumably the BBC or something. Like, what are they, what are they listening to on, on radio? That they're listening to uh, this opera singer sing in like French or English or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's listening around a, a radio. So like, the middle of the book is a lot of like. They're trying to find the plane wreck. The porters leave. They kind of like. They see the yeti. Or they hear the yeti. They hear the yeti and they see, they see the big footprints. They see like, the big footprint and they're we're like, done. "We're we're, we're done. No, thank you." And and, and th- that so that push and pull actually is like from all of these characters, right? It's not just Captain Haddock and Tintin. Captain Haddock being like, "Let's not do this anymore." But it's like all these forces are telling Tintin just don't go on, right? Yeah. But Tintin still is like so determined, yeah. right? That. It's, like, very inspiring to a kid, I think. And for me, it was, like, when I was a kid, probably, I think it was very, like, oh, wow, like, Tintin just, like, he's he's so committed to this that, like, the Sherpas think that the Yeti is here, so they're trying to leave. Uh, they reach the airplane, and, and uh, their, their main Sherpa is, like, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Uh, I just said I'd walk you till here, but that's, that's all. That's, Tharky that's or Thaki or something? Thakri. Thakri. Thakri? It doesn't seem like a... I yeah, don't know. Like it, he's kind of cute though. So, yeah, totally. cheekbones like, um, just amazing. Yeah, yeah, all the cheekbones are very uh, compared to Tintin's like old, just oval put, put in face, face with like dot eyes. Yeah. Boy's got a big old oval. <laughs> yeah, it's also like it is. I don't know. I was thinking a lot about their like detective story angle, and I I feel like this one isn't exactly that because it's not like there's it's not like you can know what happens really like it's not like they give you clues that you're supposed to like catch on to there's no way to guess really what's happening until they tell you well i, I, I can argue answer that only because like well there are clues that make tintin go right. forward right? It's, it's not like tintin is just committed to keep moving it's just he his commitment is restored by like looking at the the rock in which chang has carved his name and he's like, Chang is definitely alive. They find the the plane wreck, and then Tintin, like, sees, like, a yellow scarf on, like, a rock or something. And he's like, oh, Chang must have been here. And then they, like, go further. And then he loses steam again, and then they find, like, a cave where Chang has, like, written something on, like, the stone. And then Tintin is reignited that, like, his friend is out there somewhere. Yeah, so it's, like, it feels like a trail of clues that, like, Tintin is not completely delusional. But it doesn't feel like you know, the thing I always think about detective story, like kid detective stories, is that the you're looking for like the culprit, like right, the right. person who did it, and that person is always essentially like introduced pretty early on in the story. It's like very Scooby Doo. It's like the first three people you meet in Scooby Doo, like one of those people is the culprit, yeah. and um, it's not real. I mean, there's not really a culprit in this situation. It's just kind of like hijinks leading up to Tintin trying to save his friend who's been kidnapped by a yeti. Or like uh, uh, helped by a yeti, right? Like uh, th- there's, that, there's both those sides to it. But, but like uh, in some ways, like the, the yeti is, well, the yeti is introduced early on. And I wasn't very sure if when I was a kid, before having ever read this, that I, that I knew that the yeti is how Chang both survived and the Yeti is like 
Yeti's cave is where Chang is right now, right? Because he could have been yeah. like, he could have been at the monastery or he could have been somewhere else. Wait, what do you mean? Well, like, like, I, I mean, it's still kind of a detective story in that they're still finding. No, I think you're right. It's it's just very simple. Like like it's just very like. Remember what I said about like. It's the most like it's the, it's the simplest narrative in that like the Enid Blyton stories, right? Where like something is lost. You 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 journey to find, what's lost, and then you find what's lost, and your 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 yeah. your characters are changed as a result of that. I went. Oh, I also wanted to say something about um. They're having a lot of issues, whatever. They get hijinks and all this stuff, and they need help. So they they find this, like, monastery that is, like, in Tibet, just, like, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And um, there's, like, a bunch of monks, and there's, like, the guy in charge of the monks. And the Grand Abbot says, Yes, it seems that you men from other lands have a strange, uncontrollable desire to climb the highest mountains at all costs, even at the risk of your lives. Why is this? So it does seem like... Erge is, like, having a little bit of a dig at, like, that sort of, um... Because, like, even though the monks are, like, they really, like... They, like, like Tintin a lot, and they, like, believe in him, and they're, like, you're a great guy, you're going to save your friend, like, whatever, you have a pure heart, all this stuff. Um, they also are, like, why do you guys keep doing this? Why do you keep coming into our mountains and, like, fucking up and, like, getting hurt and, like, destroying things around you? Just don't do it. Like, there's no reason for you to be here. So, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that RJ, like, got that dig in there. I don't know if it was a dig. Like, I, I, I think more, it was more, like, like, supposed to be flattering for Tintin. Like, I don't, I don't know if that dig makes sense in when held up against all the other evidence that these characters who have never met Tintin before characters like the Sherpa and the Grand Abbot and all these people are so fascinated by Tintin and so like in awe of Tintin's like bravery or whatever so I guess the porters the porters desert like a while before they reach just just about before they reach the airplane crash site and Takri after they reach the the site Tintin for for a second is 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 lost, right? Like he is stuck in the snowstorm. He falls into this pit. They try to save him, but he saves himself somehow. But then Takri is also like, I'm I'm bouncing. I said I'll bring you clear. It's this is really dangerous. I'm not gonna go go forward. You you are saying that your your friend scaled this m- mountain, but like that mm-hmm. wall is impossible to scale without equipment, right? So you, you, you like yeah. that doesn't make any sense at all. I don't I don't buy your story anymore, I'm gonna leave. Yeah. But then he comes back too. He's also so fascinated by Tintin that, that he also yeah. like at this time when Tintin and Captain Haddock are like uh about to die, basically, Takri comes and saves them. And then and then there's this bit where he says, uh like Tintin's like, Oh Takri, you came back. Takri's voice were saved and then they're saved. And then Tintin says, But tell us Takri, what were you doing to find us here? And Takre in the broken English, and I think we should we have to talk about the language. That it's really funny. I also wrote this line yeah. down. I, I go towards my village, but I think of you, you young white sahab, risking your life to save Chinese friend. Me, yellow man, like him, but I not want to help. 
I tell myself I am coward. I turn back and follow you. And Tita's like, good for you, Takri. Shall we go on together now? <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, who describes himself as yellow man? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, like, that, that's just, like, very, like, weird because... That's a that's a orientalism. That's that's like a like a yeah. That's an outside perspective. Yeah, like yeah. I think that's a very like sim- simplification of of a specific sentiment. But Thakur is likely is li- likely Gorkha, and and like if you're like a, or like if you're a Sherpa, or if you're a Gorkha, if you're like one of these ethnic groups, you probably like associate very strongly to that ethnic group. And don't necessarily think of yourself the same as a Chinese person, at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, that, that that was weird. Yeah. But, but but I think my point with all of that was that they're so in awe of Tintin. Oh yeah, they call him. They call him the monks. They call him Great Heart, not Pure Heart. Great yeah. Heart, which I was like, wow, big big old heart, Tintin. <laughs> That yeah, even even that slight bit of snark that the great abbot has, I think, is more like in awe, like ah, oh, you've come all the way, you really have such a big heart, rather than it being like snark towards like Westerners, uh, which is weird because like the fact that they live in those mountains means that they can they can outclimb any of these fuckers, right? <laughs> like the monks yeah, probably, for them it's like chill. Yeah, the, like the monks probably like do much, like walk around barefoot, like through these. Uh, rocky mountains and plateau anyway I, I don't I don't understand how Tintin is and Captain Halleck are like chilling and doing these really difficult treks and climbs with no training yeah they're they're at they're at once like doing them and then also at the same time like doing them so badly and like constantly fucking up it's like sometimes they're competent and sometimes they're extremely not yeah. So anyway, so they, yeah, they're in the monastery and then the monk who can like p- prophesize blessed lightning has this little floaty session again. And he says something about like, says something about Chang like being alive at like Yak Mountain or whatever. So um, Tintin and Haddock again are like, all right, we got to go to Yak Mountain. And that's when, and th- at that point, they've also like decided that the Yeti is real. Because at first Haddock was like, what the fuck? You guys are worried about the Yeti? There is no Yeti. Um, but at that point they're like, okay, the Yeti's real and he's out there. Um, but we still have to go to Yak Mountain and, um, find Chang. Cause I think that's what, that's where Chang is. Um, there were a couple other things I thought were interesting, which is they said that the Yeti was like what the Nepalese call Bigfoot, but they say that the Tibetans call him Migu, which I was like, that's a really interesting, like, I don't know. It seemed kind of like a cultural discrepancy that was like it doesn't really need to be in the plot and i i don't even know if that's like actually i should look it up i don't know if that's like accurate magoo yeti yeah yes it's a tibetan word for yeti yeah it says tibetan word for yeti yeah like uh i yeah i i i think i think a lot of the tintin books are like this story right like this simple plot but also to introduce children to like other parts of the world and other cultures. Yeah. Yeah. And they do that whole thing where the um the Tibetan kids stick out their tongue yeah. at Captain Haddock. Yeah. 
And he's like thinks it's rude yeah. and he's like, what the fuck are these little kids doing? And they're like, oh, it's just like a greeting. That's like a way to like say hi to people. He like does like a, a thing back to them to like make fun of them still. He's like not having it. it. Yeah, it's just weird that he's that the way it's written is at once like trying to expose readers to like different um cultures and languages and like locations and also having this character just like blatantly disregard all cultural differences the whole time while Tintin is like uh, uh, yeah I guess it, I yeah I just like I'm back and forth on whether it's like trying to show you like a good way to be a tourist and like a bad way to be a tourist or if it's just like they're playing it for laughs so like maybe it doesn't matter anyway like how deep is it really that there is like one character who's respectful and one character who is disrespectful yeah there's definitely like the brutishness of, of Captain Haddock right and and I, I don't think any kid wants to like be like Captain Haddock they all want to be Tintin right so yeah like yeah. There definitely is the right way. So you the think right it is way. kind of like an example. Yeah, yeah. there's a, the right way to do it and then the, the brutish way to do it, right? Like, there are people yeah. like this, but you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that, do you, kids? But still, brutish in, a, in, a, in an adorable way. Captain Haddock is still like, like oh, <laughs> Captain Haddock. He's so silly. And, like, he's still coming through for Tintin in the yeah. end. So, anyway, yeah, they find Chang and he's, like, chilling. With, they have to, like, dis- they have to like distract the Yeti. They, like, wait till the Yeti is away from the cave. And then they, like take Chang, who is, like, obviously, like, very sick and starving and cold. Um, Captain Haddock can't whistle. And they bring him down. Oh, yeah. I also wrote that, that Captain Haddock can't whistle. <laughs> when he tries to whistle to, like, uh, tell Tintin that the Yeti is coming back to the cave while Tintin is, like, trying to take Chang. And then they show you the Yeti, and he's just kind of, like, a big gorilla dude. He has, like, really bushy eyebrows and, like, a weird dome. And then, yeah, Tintin, like, tries to take a picture of him or, like, maybe just stuns him with the flash. And then they escape and Chang, like, convalesces um, in Tibet for a little bit. Um, And, yeah, when they get back, the monks are, like, having a fucking, like, parade for Tintin to be like, he's our guy. (laughs) He found Chang. (laughs) Congratulations. It's like a little different parade. (laughs) Why yeah, you're right. How this? did they know? Oh no, uh, they have blessed lightning. Probably like had another. Oh, bridge. blessed lightning! I think told them <laughs> they came on. They were like, "You did it." I think I think it's worth researching, like what monks' names really are in Tibet, right? Because like it seems it yeah. seems a little like like Native American names. Um, there was also another one called yeah. There was also another one called Shining Light, which was like the other one that I found. yeah. And it seems, it, this seems like very suspect to me. Because also, firstly, Grand Abbot. I, I don't trust that. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, and also another thing that Captain Haddock does is he calls the Grand Abbot by like uh, 20 different names. The whole time he's like disrespecting the, this like spiritual head of a, mo- of a monastery. But I also, I gotta say I fucked up. I wrote, I called him Big Daddy in my notes. Because I couldn't remember that they were calling him the Grand Abbot. He calls him the Grand Took. And he calls him Grand Mufti. He calls him um, all these weird things, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, so they, like, Chang, like, hangs out uh, at the monastery for a week. And then um, they head back down the mountain. And the Yeti, there's, like, a scene or there's, like, a panel where the Yeti is, like, watching them walk away. And he's, like, sad. And, and I was, like, oh, no, the Yeti. <laughs> It did really make you feel bad for the Yeti. Yeah, he lost his he friend. just seems like sort of a lonely mountain guy. Yeah, I know. And the, 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 the savage villagers don't understand him. <laughs> but of course, the Europeans come He's here. He's misunderstood. I wrote. 
<laughs> I wrote maybe the Yeti has a human soul. Anyway, so what were your what was your takeaway? Do you think you're gonna read some of your other old Tintin books? Yeah, I, I think I want to read some more of them. I like that they're so so simple. The plot is just nothing, right? The plot is just should we do this? Should we not do this? Okay, let's like run into these things. Oh, like look at these funny things happening in the middle, uh, and then whoop, yeah. we won. <laughs> and I just wrap everything. Everything wraps up so neatly. Like everything is just like fits in so well, but but in a way that is like. I mean, it's annoying, but it's still satisfying. Yeah, uh, for sure. Right at the end, a week has passed, right? And they're, they're, they're leaving, clearly. And Tintin asks Chang, how are you feeling now, Chang? And Chang replies, much better, a good rest, and being so well looked after, I've completely recovered. How have you not asked him this before? <laughs> he laughed. <laughs> Maybe he was off panel. Shocking! Shocking that Chang didn't like break any bones or anything. Yeah, and like a week's rest, like that, that's all the that's all he needed. Needed. He's a healthy young man. To recover. W- w- one interesting thing about this Tintin is that the great abbot, the grand abbot, at some point says, like nothing survives here. Like if if anything, like if your friend was here and died, like the vultures take everything. I remember I was telling you about the Vikram State book that I had read. <laughs> in which he has this travel log where he travels across China and then, like, yeah. somehow reaches Tibet. That's significant because, like, uh, he watches this um, ceremony, uh, like, near the Patola Palace, like, far, like, a little away from Lhasa, which like, I, I mistook, I, I, like, I misunderstood. I thought that, like, from what I remembered, I thought they were actually at Lhasa and at the Patola Palace, but no, they're just at a random monastery here in Tintin. But but Vikram says mm-hmm. actually at Lhasa and near the Potola Palace, like sees a, a Tibetan uh, cremation ritual, or like yeah, a boat like what is it called like after death ritual? So it's not it's not a cremation, but what what they do is uh, they feed their dead to the vultures, uh, and really? so that yeah and, and like I think it's it's in this very specific form of Buddhism. I don't know if people still do it, but he watched this ritual in the 80s uh, where uh, when a person is dead so that like to make it a little better what they do is they actually cut the body up into pieces like very systematically they know exactly what pieces to cut the body into uh, and then they leave it out and the vultures are like swarming and as soon as they're done preparing the body and they leave the vultures swoop in and within mm-hmm. within like forty minutes an hour, the entire body is gone, bones, everything. The vultures have taken oh. it all. Uh, and like he just like reflects on like Vikram Sate's reflecting on on death in this way. Um, there was one time, and I I read this book of like few couple couple years ago, uh, and recently, I ordered that book. Uh, I don't use Amazon, so I ordered it to, like, um, in February, I ordered it so that it would be delivered to the McNally Jackson in Soho, and mm-hmm. it got there on a Monday, and on a Tuesday, uh, I went to my PCP, because I was, like, feeling a little weird, uh, and my PCP, and this was totally a scare, but my PCP thought that I was having a heart attack, and oh she, sent to, she sent me to, she sent me to the ER, 
at Mount Sinai from Brooklyn. <laughs> so I was in a lift and she didn't specify whether I had had a heart attack or I was having a heart attack, but I basically thought that I was dying. And like even more so I was feeling like there was this pain on my left side and I just was very, very anxious. Uh, and I was like, fuck, this is like, it's over, I'm dead. But I remember that like, oh, I have the, 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 that, that book that is delivered to McNally Jackson in Soho. Uh, so I called up Drupad and I'm like, Drupad, I'm going to the ER right now. Uh, but he's like, oh shit, can I, like, I could come, like, t- tell me like where, like, but he, he had, he had a class. So I was like, go to your class. But like, also before you come, can you get this book from McNally Jackson? <laughs> And in my mind, I, I had almost made up, like, like on one side, I was like, no, I'm, I'm this is not, not this, I'm not going to die today. But also in, like, another part of my mind, I was like, okay, if I'm, if I'm going to die, that's okay. Like, I have nothing to, like, I've had a good life. I've had nothing that I need to complain about. If I read this one chapter in which Vikram Seth talks about, like, this ritual, I can read that and die and I'll be fine. It's like your dying prayer. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 but I think there's like, I have this emotional attachment with like, like when I was a kid, uh, another reason why I think this was really like meaningful to me, uh, Tintin in Tibet was because, uh, we traveled very often to, uh, the Himalayas and I've never been to Nepal or Tibet, but, uh, these monasteries are like very much a feature of these Buddhist monasteries are definitely like a feature of uh, the Himalayas, even when you come into India. So around Darjeeling, a little less so in Darjeeling, but more so, much more so in like uh, Sikkim. So we would go to Sikkim once in a while. We would be driven up to Bhutan with my family when I was very, very young. Uh, and that's around the time when I used to read, when I was reading Tintin's. Uh, and, and yeah, like I remember like these like seeing these monasteries and seeing like uh, like these monks in these specific like like all the robes and like all these scenes uh, and even though like I've never been far up enough in the mountains to see all this snow like everything else felt very familiar yeah yeah that's nice <laughs> I'm glad we read it yeah Oh, the other thing that you said before is that you thought the Yeti was a symbol, was symbolism for, like, the Red Scare, for, yeah. like, the communist movement in China at the time. <laughs> Do you still think that? No, I don't, I, I don't think, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I, I was projecting all these things and all the symbolism in, into, into the thing, but, but yeah, like, it, at some level it could have been, right? Like this idea that everyone is afraid of it, but really it's like this loving communist government. I don't even know. Right. Really it's loving of its Chinese son. Mao. Like Mao is just like, (laughs) Mao just wants to love the Tibetans. (laughs) (laughs) The whole time. When was the book written again? Um, 58. I think it's a little early. The communist revolution was like 66 or something. The comments rev- the book was revolution, yes, but well, the cultural revolution, like, yeah, the cultural revolution, but but yeah, you know, you're right, you're right. Uh, um, yeah, the book was written in like fifty eight, fifty nine. 
Now we know. Alright, thank you. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Yep, yeah, bye.